It's January 5th, 2023. This is a special edition of Rook. Never forget, never forgive. Commemorating the third anniversary of the downing of PS752. Hi there, and welcome to episode 229 of Rook. I'm Gian Gomeshi in Toronto. Thank you for joining us wherever you are in the world. Salam Dustan Aziz, This weekend, January 8th, 2023, marks the third anniversary of the harrowing and devastating tragedy of flight PS752. As many of you know, three years ago, the Ukrainian Airlines flight PS752, carrying 176 passengers and crew, was shot down by the IRGC, the Islamic Republic regime, shortly after taking off in Tehran. 138 of those who were lost that day had ties in Canada. The victims were people we knew, people we were in touch with, people we lived with, worked with, and loved. With all the protests, atrocities, and executions that are going on in Iran these days, and also with the hope that change is possible in Iran with this new uprising, we wanted to devote this episode to all the innocent lives that were so tragically lost in the destruction of Flight PS752. This will be a somber and serious episode, but really also necessary in our eyes. My sole feature guest today is Amir Arsalani. Amir lost his sister, Evin Arsalani, as well as his brother-in-law, Hiva Molani, and his one-year-old niece, their daughter, Kurdia Molani, on that flight. Evin Arsalani worked as a business analyst at CIBC Bank in Canada and had traveled along with her husband and their daughter to Iran for a wedding on December 8th, 2019. The family was scheduled to return home after celebrating Evin's birthday on January 2nd. They never returned. Amir is an active member of the non-profit organization, the Association of Families of Flight PS752, and will be taking part in memorial ceremonies this weekend, marking the three years. But first, right now, Amir Arsalani joins me in the Rook studio. Hello, sir. Hello. Thank you for having me, and thanks to your uh, cast team for making this happen today. Um, thank you for doing this, Amir. Uh, let me start with this. I mean, do, how do you feel three years in about doing interviews like this? Is it uh, sort of a necessity or is it something that you actually still choose to want to do to continue to spread the word? Of course, I like to be heard. I like to spread the word as much as possible for everyone to hear, for everyone to know what pain we're going through. Um, it's been almost three years, but for us is a fresh wound that never gets old. And every day that passes by just gets deeper and deeper. Do you have to um, emotionally prepare yourself for conversations like this? Yes, of course. And I try so much, but sometimes I just lose it. Um, and I try to still control myself, but uh, 
Let's hope for the best. What did you tell yourself before coming here today? Um, as I mentioned earlier, a few days ago was my sister's birthday. And um, I told myself I'm doing this for her. So just be there. Just think that she's listening to you. Um, and I'm sure she doesn't want me to be in a bad mood. Hmm. Can you can can you believe it's been three years? It's been more than three years for us. It's been <coughs> years, uh, maybe thirty years. Um, just dealing with this tragedy every day of our life, in every aspect of life, um, having to talk to my mom with the situation she's in, talk to my dad with the same situation, same condition, that every day gets worse. Um, like I, I was just talking to my 15-year-old son the other day. Um, he was down, and you know how teenagers are. Um, so I was just trying to talk to him. It was before the New Year's Eve, and uh, we're talking, and he's like, "I, I just can't get it. Why did have? Um, why did they have to go? Like, he, they all love Cordia so much. It was like she was the light of the family. And I had no answer. I, I, I didn't know what to answer him. Like, I, I." I just can't say anything that brings comfort to him. I was going to ask you to describe the last three years. I mean, you've, you've, you've somewhat just done that. When you talk about every day it gets worse, tell me about that. I mean, it's a cliche, but, you know, I remember when my father died and people would say, well, time heals, you know, over time you'll, you'll come get at peace to this or whatever people say in those moments. You know, people don't know what to say, but that doesn't sound like it's happening here when you say it gets worse every day. Talk to me about no, that. No, time doesn't heal wounds like this. Of course, um, it, it makes you get used to the pain. Um, like if you have arthritis, for example, you just have to deal with it. But this is not uh, a physical uh, physical pain. This is more of an emotional. That, Like, for example, every day at 10 o'clock, I used to call my sister in the morning to because she was very on a very certain like specific uh, schedule for my niece that she had to go to sleep every day, every night actually at eight and wake up at 10. So she gets her sleep. Um, so every day at 10, I would call her and just on, on FaceTime or on WhatsApp, just trying to see her precious morning face when she wakes up. Uh, believe it or not, even though now after two years, I still around ten o'clock, I just grab my phone. Wow! And like, there is no one to call. You mentioned your mom and your dad. Um, I mean, I can't, you know, losing a daughter and and a granddaughter. And t tell me, describe what this has been like for them. Well, my sister wasn't just a daughter to my mom. She was her best friend. Like, um, they would do everything. Like even overseas, she was in Iran and my sister was here. They still planned everything together. When she would come back for a visit, um, like she stayed with my sister a lot more than us because uh, that's where she felt uh, more comfortable, of course. Um, so for her to lose that best friend and um, that big support in life, um, it, 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 it's devastating and even to this stage she still doesn't believe that they're gone she still thinks that there would be a day they will come back it just the problem 
start with the burial, of course, because we never saw and knew who we buried. Um, and you never get the comfort from that. You Meaning never, in Iran? Of course, yes, mm -hmm. in Iran. And um, even though you guys, I'm sure you heard about the um, association's report, um, a few bodies that were uh, tested here for DNA samples, mm -hmm. they weren't even who they told us, who to, they told them to be. Um, so that's one big factor in our life right now. Like we don't even know what happened. Like this is like we need a disclosure. Like we we need to know what really happened that night. Why why they chose that flight? What are the kind of conversations that you have with your parents? I mean, do you are you in the the role of trying to? support and console them or uh, or or vice versa i mean you're grieving as well right yeah unfortunately i'm like the dad of the family like um i'm the oldest uh, son um of three and um like I'm, i always played the role of to try to comfort everyone try to make sense of everything around but um lately i can't just speak more than a few minutes with my mom or dad because um, they, they still go back to past and I that hurts me and I know it hurts them too but I cannot tell them no you're wrong uh, and I can't push what is right to to their brain of course um, so our conversation is very short um, just how their days going by and if anything in the family is happening, especially like these days, uh, the last three months, we have more to talk about, of course, especially in, in our city, Mahabad. Um, lots been going on. So yeah. we, we try to talk about things around uh, our own problems. You mentioned your, your teenage son who would have been 12 when this happened. Um, what have you learned about how to talk to young people about these things it's it's too hard like for me at that time at that age uh, I, I thought they wouldn't understand uh, but he remembers every second that we spent together and my daughter's even younger um, she remembers clearly like how they would go shopping together how they would go for sleepover um, it's amazing that they're still um, I'm learning things from them. I'm I'm getting things from them right now. Um, my 12-year-old daughter tells me, but Baba, believe me, they're in a better place. Believe me, they're happy right now. They're looking over us right now. I myself don't believe in any afterlife um, scenarios, but um, they're trying to comfort me as well. Tell me about your, your sister, your late sister, Evin. Um, she's, these are very young people you were talking about. She would have turned... 32 a couple of days ago um can you tell us about her she was uh going to turn 33 actually um she was eight years younger than me and um since she was born she was my responsibility basically um i i remember the day that she was for first time that, that she was left with me she started crying and i didn't know what to do and I just sat beside her and I started crying with her mm. until one of our neighbors showed up and she showed me what to do uh, because both of uh, my parents were out at the time. Um, so we had a very close bond together. Um, 
like a- anything that I had in life, she would be the first person to know. Any problem I had in life, she would be the consult uh, person to 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 go to. And same thing for her. I remember when she was getting married in Iran to Hiva. Um, she called me in 2012. Um, she said, uh, so she called me Kaka. That means a bigger brother in Kurdish. She said, Kaka, you have to come back for my wedding. I said, um, but I don't even have a passport. My passport is expired. And I don't even have the army service, so I can't get a passport. And the um, embassy was closed in Ottawa. She said, it's up to you. If you don't show up to my wedding, I won't get married. <laughs> so I, I, I made it back with expired passport. Um, and I had to smuggle myself out from Iran through Iraqi border wow. and spend four weeks in Iraq because I didn't have proper document to leave. So um, I, I had more of a fatherly role for her in her mm-hmm. life. And she was more like a, my own kid, my own daughter. What was Hiva like? Hiva was a nicest, I would say calmest, most logical person you've ever seen. The wedding had your blessing, clearly. Of course. No, I knew Hiva before. Um, we, we used to be uh, in the same school long before I left uh, Iran. Um, so I kind of knew him. We had some mutual friends. Um, and when I met him for the first time after all these years, um, he's still the same guy I, I knew a long time ago. And this guy would never get mad. You could push every button on this guy. He would never turn around and say anything. And how were they as a couple? Very good, very good. They were actually role models for a lot of friends and families we we, we used to be with. Um, They never argued. They never even raised the voice on each other. It was amazing. You know, there's so many... um, people that we lost on this flight um a couple of folks that i knew personally and and uh but somebody that often gets talked about because she was the youngest person on the flight was is kurdia um it's already hard enough to get your head around losing a, a 30 year old sister uh, um tell me about kurdia and, and how you guys have dealt with this Kurdia, um, I was there sh- since the second she was born. Um, you could just imagine how attached I was to her. And um, she often thought that I'm almost her friend or her age. Mm-hmm. She would sit down on the floor and call me by hand, just coming down and then sit with me, play with me. Um, I, my sister would try to tie her hair by force. She would go through hell just to put the hair ties on. And I would just look at her and I say, Kurdia, what are these? Just take them off. And she would just take them off right away. Um, I had a very close bond with her. Like I, I was working in Richmond Hill and they were in Ajax. Uh, I, it's about 30, 35 minutes drive. Uh, every time we close the store at nine o'clock, at least twice a week, at least twice a week, I would go drive after nine, nine thirty, drive to Ajax, see them for like half hour, she sleeps. But I would t- I beg my sister, just please keep her awake till I get there. Mm. Um, and Wednesdays were our day off, and um, I, I would just plan my whole day around Kurdia. I would go take her shopping, take her to a mall, take her to a walk. Mm. 
um, it was amazing the, the, the bond we had um, it was like she would just pick she up was the one phone. but she she already had a lot of personality it's oh like. yeah oh yeah she was um, 16 months at the time um, like she would just g- get up and pick up the phone and pretend that she's calling a number and I'm picking up on the other side and she would be gaga gaga just like how my sister used to call me kaka mm-hmm. so she would uh, copy the same thing and she would talk for some time just no one would understood what she's talking about but it was cute it was um, the whole world why did they go to Iran in the December of 2019 and early January of 2020 they went back uh, for he was brother's wedding um, he got engaged he was supposed to have uh, a honeymoon uh, not an actual wedding but then they decide now we're gonna have a wedding here and uh, he was asked to go back um, they they make it they made a decision to go back the last day that I went there to pick them up to pick them up to take them to the airport uh, they were both saying uh, we wish we didn't go to this trip we wish we could cancel it my sister actually said um, she works f- for the bank she's like um, I'm gonna call the visa company and say oh um, I don't know who bought the tickets just cancel them and I said it's you already got through this you, you already promised them you're going back just go with it it's okay and I wish I never said that I wish um, something would have happened to my truck that day to myself that day I I don't know how to justify it they were in Iran Christmas time what, what did you speak to them regularly uh, while they were in Iran on that trip of course of course every day we would uh, talk to each other even like two hours before the flight took off we spoke um, <clears throat> like we would call each other with whatsapp actually all the time just uh, to see each other um, <clears throat> at least once or twice a day what was the conversation like two hours before the flight um, so I had um, I had an indoor playground at the time um, pre-covid of course and um Christmas time we would get really busy and the last day of Christmas break uh, was January 5th and um, the 7th we tried to do a whole cleanup in the store so I was busy with people how to do the actual cleanup deep cleaning and my phone rang about um, I would say 9.40, 9.30 and my phone was on the table I told my wife uh, can you see who's calling she's like oh is your sister and them I said, just answer it or just don't worry about it. I'll call her later because I'm busy. She's like, no, I'm going to pick it up. I said, okay, you pick up, you talk to them. Mm-hmm. So she picks up. She's like, oh, you don't want to miss this because Kurdi is here. She, she, she's looking at the phone. So I left every, anything that I was doing um, and, and I went to the phone. Um, Kurdi had fever that night, but she still, she was okay. Um, she wasn't that sick we we spoke uh, my sister said so you guys are ready for us tomorrow i said oh is it tomorrow i thought it was next week uh, is, i heard i read a story somewhere about you were gonna host them for a week or something like that were, you, were they gonna stay at your place or of something of course of course we yeah. still uh we had the christmas tree up um that was the last christmas tree we ever had um and we didn't even open the gifts on that christmas 
we said we're all gonna open it together and of course her birthday was so she got a birthday gift and um, those gifts are still unopened we were supposed to be together for a few days I told my co-workers I said don't don't call me for a few days don't bother me I'll be out I'll be off the radar just uh, I'll come I'll come back when I come back you just said that it was the last Christmas tree we'll ever have yep because it just there is no good memory Christmas is for families to be together to celebrate together and we do celebrate it just like no rules because the kids grew up here and they need to know the tradition here and same as back home um, so we're trying to keep that alive we try to keep that alive but um, that it doesn't bring any good memories anymore tell me um I must feel, uh, forgive me for asking these questions because I, I don't want you to have to go through the pain of reliving it, but tell me about the, the hours after the last time you spoke to them. So um, that night, that, um, that night on January 7th, um, after cleaning the store, we were very hungry, my wife and I. We went to grab a sandwich um, by this Persian uh, sandwich guy. And um, it was about 11, 11, 15 at night. And then uh, I got there. The guy's not in the store, but he has a note to call this number if I'm not here. So I called the guy. He's like, I'm five minutes away. I'm coming right back. I just had to do a delivery. And um, at that time, I just went through my phone to check Facebook. And one of my friend's wife um, had put a post on from Al Jazeera that Ukrainian airline was shut down, was down, down by, um, there was no reason at that right, time. Right. And I'm looking at the time and I'm looking at the plane, I'm looking at the stuff, um, the post. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense because my sister was supposed to fly um, an hour before when this plane took off but it doesn't make sense because how many planes flies from Tehran to Kiev in the right. same day and um, when I talked to my sister that night she said uh, Hiva actually said on the third security check they told us that you guys are the lucky ones you're leaving tonight most of the planes uh, most of the flights were cancelled um, I just trying to make sense sense of it all um, and, and I called he was brother back in Iran and I asked him, what's going on? Did you hear the news? He's like, oh, I don't think it's them. I said, are you sure? Because it doesn't make sense if two flights for the same destination. Yeah. Yeah. He says, oh, I'm, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna find out. And then, now, I, I felt like something heavy came over me that, uh, that, that time. And I'm thinking maybe one million ideas what's going on what what could be wrong they probably didn't get on the plane or this is a wrong plane or maybe yeah. they're alive maybe they just went down and everyone is alive still um until the names came out the people uh, the passengers who got their boarding passes and of course uh my family's name is among them when did that come out how, when did when did um, about half hour after I spoke with he was brother he oh I didn't know me, it was that quickly the, the, uh, no he sent me the the flight information uh -huh. 
and then it came out i actually gave it to um, al arabia at the time and they put it up and then um, it came out everywhere um now i know my world is collapsed at this time now the challenge is how to tell my parents how do they find out how yeah. they're gonna find out about this what's what is their outcome um sorry if i'm taking this a no, bit longer no, no, um, that takes as long as you want so i had to call my aunt i said um this is what happened i need you to just go to my mom and don't say nothing just be there for her then i'm trying to find my dad he's not answering um i called he was other brother who got married um trying to find where my dad could be he usually goes to this tea shop in the mornings um and then <clears throat> i i went straight to washington that night i went to the airport so i'm gonna go get my passport done and just fly over tomorrow i even reserved a ticket that same night um i went to washington i, I it was like almost 7 30 in the morning i got to washington the iranian um embassy whatever it is um and you you hadn't told your parents yet i have mm. but um like in in, in the yeah. process so my mom calls me can, can I just say, having interviewed a, a, a number of the families of the um, the victims of PS752, this has come up a few times, the idea of how do we possibly tell our, our loved ones and, and your parents, in your case, your, your, this knowledge that is crushing you, the next step is how are you going to actually um, impart this knowledge to others, which is... A whole other level of it's the hardest part of uh, griefing process obviously um so my mom calls me and she's screaming she's she's just saying tell me it's, it's a lie tell me it's not true tell me they're alive and i just have no words to say i just i just have nothing to say and all i do is just cry um, so apparently my dad goes to the tea shop and the TV's on and they show the plane and my aunt is already at my mom's place. My dad calls home and says, uh, do you guys, have you seen the news? Is this our plane? Is it the kid's plane? Um, and then that's where my aunt breaks down and tells my mom, that's why I'm here because Amir called me and asked me to be with you here tonight, today. Um, it's funny when uh, my mom talks about that night, she says at exactly 6.45 in the morning, um, she gets up for no reason and she feels like she gets choked. And she gets up, she has acid reflection. Um, she's like, I, I, I just went to the washroom and threw up uh, with no reason. She's never done, she's never gone through wow. this before. But um, it, it was, it was just something that day. They were in Kurdistan? Where were they? They were in, in Kurdistan. Mahabad? In Mahabad, yes. Tell me about the, that day. So you go to D.C. Do you, yes, do you fly went, back to, to Iran right away? I couldn't, no, uh, because I I wanted to. I got my passport. They, they gave it back to me right away. And um, 
so that the flight I booked from Turkish Air, they said it cannot fly because it was closed. The airspace was closed. Um, I tried different companies, different airlines. Um, they all said the same thing. And my dad begged me not to go back. He says, I, I don't want to lose another one. Just stay there, do the uh, service there in Canada. We have friends, we have families, just be there for us. So then I decided just to stay over here and um, just watch it through my phone. You know, I remember that night. It's morning in Iran, but it was nighttime here, obviously. And, and um, there was so much confusion in the first few hours. This, we were seeing this news, and I started texting and calling people. And, and um, if, if I remember correctly, there was some saber rattling happening with, the, with Trump, with the American administration at the time. So there was confusion around who has... What has happened? Did somebody, the Americans, you know, some war going on? And then there was all this talk of engine failure. And um, I'm so interested to know, given that, of course, uh, our worst fears in some ways were confirmed that this this regime w was behind this. Did did you have any suspicions? Did your gut tell you anything from the from the beginning? Yes, of course. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, I had an interview with CNN. At, um, it was the second day um, after the plane went down. And uh, I mentioned, uh, I said, I don't believe there was any issues with the plane or the engine or any systematic problems. It was shut down by Iranian army um, because it's, it's just the right thing to think at the time. Um, that's the regime we've been dealing with for almost 44 years right now. And they, this is what they do. They, 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 they try to play the nice guy and, uh, and, and everyone pities on them. Like, oh, they're okay, they're, they're okay. They're, we're not gonna bother them. They shot missiles to Al-Assad that night and they knew there's gonna be an answer yeah. from the Americans. And what to do better than shutting down um, an airliner, a, a passenger airline, plane um, and say blame it on to them because if you I'm sure you you heard about it when Zarif was talking about the second that 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 happened the morning they, they went and uh, they talked um, and um, they were still denying yeah what happened because they I mean they could they should have known better uh, with all these satellite images they yeah. cannot lie yeah, about how it. stupid were they They're but uh, of course they are stupid enough to do a lot of things that were not surprised by that. Yeah, yeah. It, the story changed a few times. First, it was we didn't do this. Then it was some guy pressed the wrong button, and this was a mistake. Um, um, you know, this. I I believe that this, and I'm not alone in this. This event. I mean, there's people listening to us around the world right now, but. For those of us in Canada, this was a real coming of age for the Iranian Canadian community. Not to take anything away from the the frontline grief that you guys, as the families, um, have experienced and continue to experience, but um, I, I really chart this as the moment that for Iranian Canadians, that it, that's a, as a turning point, 
where if anyone believed in reform or dealing with this regime or trying to make things better somehow in Iran as under the Islamic Republic, that this became the turning point where the community um, kind of came together to say, this is, we need the end of this regime and, and we need accountability. Do you, do you feel that from the community? Have you heard that? Is that something that is clear to you? Yes, of course. Uh, I've heard it uh, many, many times. Um, it, it was I, I was amazed um, that how everyone got together at that time. Um, our service was held just shortly after the downing, um, uh, maybe four or five days after. So it was one of the first services in Canada. And I noticed people that I never even met. And it was a short notice for families and friends only, but people came over. Um, it, it was just very um, touching. It was um, very warm wishes from people. And um, at, at one point we went for uh, Hamid's uh, uh, memorial that uh, happened in... Up in uh, Markham <clears throat> or something, I was there. Right? Woodbridge. Woodbridge, yeah. And um, the amount of people that were there, the yeah. amount of uh, support that was given to families of uh, PS752, it was just heartwarming. It was uh, it was amazing. Uh, I, I got emails and text messages and Facebook messages from Iranians all around the world. It wasn't just in Canada. Um, people that I never even knew. The, the words that have been used since then, Amir, are never forget, never forgive. Tell me, tell me what those words mean to you. Uh, see, when something so precious is taken from you, if it was an accident, I would forget. I would, I would not forgive uh, easily, but I would forgive at one point. But I will never forget it, right? Uh, because it's, it's part of me, it's part of my mm -hmm. DNA now. But uh, something that's this brutal, um, this barbaric, you can never forget about it. You can never forgive the people who's done it. Um, right now, as you know, of course, about um, this um, court that they have put up in Iran, this yeah. show that they have put up in Iran, they put on like 10 normal people over there. No one even knows them. Um, they were the ones responsible, but we all know that's not the case. Uh, we need to know what really happened, who did give the order. Um, I mean, just a few days after the flight downing, um, Haji Zadeh said, I'm, I'm responsible for it. I take the full responsibility. So where is the other people? Where is, where is Haji Zadeh right now? I want to ask you about this, um, the latest events we've heard, which were considered pretty widely a big victory for, for the Families Association in terms of the international court and global recognition that there needs to be some criminal accountability around this. But before we get to that, it occurs to me that it's a pretty freaking long road, uh, you know, that um, for, for the last three years um, in searching for this never forget, never, never, for, never forget, never forgive, even, even for those who want to support 
people go on with their daily lives. The media moves away, except maybe on the anniversaries, uh, um, and it's left to you guys, um, the families, to try and keep this this fire alive, to try and keep the, these, this slogan alive. Um, t- talk to me a bit about that. The 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 determination that we've seen from from people like you and and others amongst the families. See, the Iranian regime didn't know that this will unite us better. Um, what happened to families of uh, PS752? Um, of course, it broke us apart. It, it shattered our, our hearts. Um, we 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 sat and we cried often and often, every day. Um, for some time, but we raised from the ashes again. Um, We got united again, um, and we had one single goal to achieve, and to bring the Iranian government who's responsible for downing that airplane to justice. And every day, this is, as soon as I wake up, I check my phone, uh, I'm looking at the family's um, telegram, uh, channel, see if there's anything new. I, I, I wake up to this family and I sleep to this family. And throughout the day, throughout the week, we have meetings. We Meaning have, the other families. Of, of course, the, victims, the families yeah. of the victims. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's, I, I could say it's nice to be part of this family if it, um, but, but it, it may come wrong. I wish under different circumstances we could know each other better, but um, this brought us together, brought us uh, very close together. Now, um, I I feel like I have family all over the world. Mm. And uh, if Iranian regime knew that this would reunite us, um, they thought it would, be, it would be just like Aban, it would be just like the uh, all the murders uh, that they have committed, families will forget about it, uh, and they just go on with their life. No, it didn't happen here. What kind of conversations do you guys have with each other? I mean, say, you know, a year and a half in or some cold winter day or sometime in the summer where other peoples are vacationing or something. What are the conversations you guys have with each other about keeping this this front of mind for for not not just for you, but for the public? So every day there is new thing. Um, so there was two hundred seventy six people on, on board of that plane. So there is a birthdays. There are their wedding days. There are their um, the, the special events that we um, share together, that we think about together. Um, if it gets to certain time of the year, for example, um, no ruse, for example, mm-hmm. uh, it, it just we wish each other because we know what it, it doesn't feel the same anymore. Uh, we try to be there for each other. We try to make sense of it that uh, in 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 somehow we need to give each other comfort and we're just trying it maybe some people do take it some people don't uh but we're just trying trying to keep it alive there's so many um you know i was i mentioned that that there's cliches before there's so many sayings and cliches around these these things time heals this too shall pass but there's also you should move on, you know, move forward. You have to, life is for the living, you know, it's terrible things have happened, move on. Um, that's clearly not a, the, a saying that you heed. What What is your response to somebody who says that to you? 
life moves on like I, I, I still live in my daily life I still have to work I still have to pay bills uh, I still have to take care of my family um, life goes on but that part of you that big hole in your heart it's always there like I cannot remember within the last three years when was it that I laughed actually by meaning um, I haven't. I haven't laughed that I, I haven't felt happy. But life goes on, whether you're happy or sad. Mm. Um, bills have to be paid whether you're sick or well-being, you know, it just, it has to go. Like I have to put a show on for my kids. I have to look happy for my kids, but deep down I'm destroyed. Do you still cry? Of course. All the time? Most of the time. What do you think about when you cry? The good times that we no longer have together. Like I was um, just talking to my wife the other day. I said, um, we, we took the kids um, to a place to have a dinner for New Year's uh, Eve. Um, and then um, she's like, why are you so down? Why are you not? Uh, at least for the kids, I said, I can't, I can't just put on the show tonight, especially tonight, I can't do it. Um, is everything okay? She said, is the business okay? I said, that's nothing to do with, with what I, how I feel. I'm just feeling if uh, Cordia was here right now, we're all supposed to be together and should be four years old by now and should be walking in and out with me. And I always told my sister, I said, this is my princess and I'm gonna spoil her so bad that you guys cannot even deal with her anymore. Um, like, of course, every occasion, every place you go in the city, you have a memory. So how can you overcome that? You can't, it's impossible. My brother left to US, he stayed there for a year and a half, tried just to get away from this, and he couldn't, he came back. You know, it occurs to me that, um in the last four months, in some ways, Iranians who weren't out there already have caught up with you guys in terms of wanting to um, do everything they can to hold this regime that um, to, to to justice. You know, even if everybody's always always known it, action is being taken now. There's this uprising. There's this revolution, um, and a revolution that, to a certain extent, has had its epicenter in Kurdistan and and. Um, Masa Aminia herself, of course, was uh, Kurdish Iranian. Tell me about what the current revolution in Iran has meant to you and your family. Um, it made me hopeful um, because if you had this, if we had this talk six months ago, I would say maybe in ten years we would see a revolution. Um, but it it made me helpful, uh, hopeful, and also hope for better justice and quicker justice while they're still alive, while still the, the Supreme Leader is still alive. And um, of course, revolutions would take time, would take um, a lot of efforts, uh, which I'm amazed by seeing how our young people, our young generation in Iran are paying with their lives. Uh, they're not scared of anything. They just go empty handed towards guns and bullets. Flight PS752 gets mentioned um, at demonstrations 
in Iran and outside here, you know, um, it's 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 there as one of the things that the global community and those inside Iran wants uh, one of the atrocities that no one wants to forget with this regime. Of course, um, the association of the families of PS752, uh, we're only three years old. And within that three years, we have accomplished some, uh, some good things that to earn the public trust in Iran. Uh, now they know we're not in it for money. Uh, I was okay before all this, and I'm poorer right now, not richer, mm-hmm. if any. Um, we were all okay. We were just living our normal lives. And um, if you look back at um, October 1st rally um, in Toronto, and Richmond Hill, the big one. Yeah, yes, yeah. the Richmond Hill. Over 50,000 people showed up. Yeah. If you go back to Berlin, how amazing that was. Yeah. Um, I'm not against any other parties or associations of any sort, uh, of, of course, Iranians. But uh, what have they done within the last 43 years that we have achieved in less than three years? It's, of course, people are smarter these days. There's lots of social media. Um, It's a lot better than before, and it's helpful. Uh, And people see the difference. No, we, we, uh, you you can't say it. I would say it. We owe you. I think we owe the the families of of Flight uh, PS752 for for playing a big part in this revolution, and particularly in the diaspora. We owe you guys. Tell me about the, the the latest events we've heard about with, with respect to the international court in Iran. This is about two or three weeks ago, or not even. Um, this was uh, celebrated as a as a victory for for you for your for the families in terms of making some headway on an international stage. Um, describe first of all what what has happened. So because of. Um all the quarantine and COVID restriction, this went on a lot longer than we expected to be. Uh, we wish this to happen within the first anniversary and it didn't happen. And um, at the time that Mr. Uh, Champagne was the Minister of uh, uh, Affairs at the time, um, he was like a father to families. He was very, he was involved in every aspect. And then he left and Mr. Garno came, which made the biggest impact to our case. Um, and then by him being gone, uh, Minister Jolie came up and she was committed. Mm-hmm. When we first talked to her, she was committed to do changes. And she did as she promised. Um, so the stage we're at right now, um, it only gives Iran six months to reply and they have taken the um, notes just a couple days ago as i remember Um, and they're trying to just push it longer can i just ask why why does iran get six months to reply at this point it's been three years i mean do we need to give them six months to yeah it's it's the law that we have have to to, do okay it's just the international law okay uh before it goes to icj uh it has to be given in a good faith and give them time to respond. Okay. 
uh, but it doesn't go more than six months. But what Iranians will try, just like how they uh, tried with the uh, black box, of course, it's try to extend mm. the timeline because mm. that's what they've been doing all the time. That's what they're good at. Yep. And obfuscation. But, yes, yeah. but this time it won't happen because by law it's only six months. If it doesn't happen within the six months, then our next steps begin. Which is? Taking them to the court. And in terms of victory, somebody was telling me that one of the um, the other family members of, of, of one of the victims had said that this moment, this announcement, um, last week, a couple of weeks ago, sorry, I don't remember the exact date it was, um, represented the first night he's going to be able to sleep for three years. It had it was that big a deal to, 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 to them that there's some um, actual action being taken that there's a there's a you know international recognition of, of justice needed in this case. Is that true for you? It was a relief, of course. Um, it's first time that we actually got recognized by the international committees. Uh, we've talked about uh, with Minister Jolie or uh, Mike Garno uh, many, many, many times. This is what we want to achieve. This is where we want to go. Like, for example, our first step was uh, putting IRGC as a terrorist group. Yeah. Um, but now I'm, I'm not going to go into details because a lot of people say why not this why not that uh, but we made it happen uh, I mean uh, we, we pushed it so hard that it made it happen mm -hmm. finally um, and they, for the first time we brought uh, Minister, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to a freedom rally for mm -hmm. Iran um, nowhere else has it uh, it has been done in the world Right. Um, so we did go through with uh, our plan, our roadmap, and we did get answers, we did get uh, results from them. It wasn't as we expected, it was much slower, but at the end, we, we were still getting them. Can I ask you, I mean, I, I, I say this with absolutely no disrespect, but do we think that these thugs, these, these mullahs uh, who are running this murderous regime care about the International Court of Justice? I highly doubt. They don't think anything of it. Um, they're ruthless. They, they, they can care less. Um, worst case scenario for them is being like North Korea that has no tie to no country, but they're still ruling. They're still putting the money in their pockets. Mm. But um, this doesn't end by um, just stop dealing with them. This ends with a revolution. And we all know that we we can see that. Uh, so this isn't about convincing them of something. This is about an, uh, a, another step into in in getting rid of these or you know creating some kind of change in Iran. Of course, like for example, if they don't respond within the six months and they don't agree to any terms, um, so their representatives have to be sent back home, like the uh, IKO Council, for example. They have uh, Iranian um, counselor here. Uh, which we're pushing for him to be sent back. He was the same guy who was smuggling guns to uh, Lebanon and Syria with uh, Soleimani, of course. And now he's um, number one in aviation for Iran. All right. What would your um, beautiful sister, Evin, 
What would she have made of this uprising in Iran right now? Um, before they went back, um, if you recall three years ago, there was a um, fight in Kobani. And um, if you check their Instagram, him and her and Hiva, um, they have that support for the Kurdish girls in Kobani. Um, they actually didn't take Turkish air flight at that time because uh, they both agreed to um, just, no, we're not gonna deal with them anymore because the money goes to support mm. killing the Kurdish. Um, so they kind of boycott the uh, Turkish products. They even had to buy olives from the Turkish store and put it in a different jar for them so they don't wow. notice. Um, and uh, if she was here today, especially it started with Gina, she would be amazed, she would be thrilled, she would be happy. And I'm sure she would be the first row in every protest mm -hmm. we have right now. I can't, um, I, I must thank you a, a lot for coming in and doing this and, and um, uh, re, reliving, re-talking about something that um, um, is incredibly painful and yet you live with it either way it sounds like so there's um, this is uh, another day for you and and but I'm so I'm grateful and your voice is so important before I let you go tell me how how will your family be commemorating this weekend um, as I told you my parents are still back home um, they're gonna go to um, the celebration the Memorial. Memorial that we have in Iran uh, in the same place that the plane was downed. Um, myself here, I'm, I've been involved with uh, many things behind the scenes, so I'm trying to put everything together for uh, this big weekend and make sure everything looks great, like they deserve it. And um, I'm all in. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. My uh, condolences to you Thank and your you. family. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here, Amir. Thank you. That is Amir Arsalani here in the Rook studio. He lost his sister, brother-in-law, and niece in the horrific downing of flight PS75, in the horrific downing of flight PS752, almost exactly three years ago. Memorial services marking the third anniversary will be taking place this weekend in a number of cities around the world. You can find out more by following the nonprofit organization, the Association of Families of Flight PS752 Victims, at their website, ps752justice.com. This is full time for this uh, special episode of Rook for today. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together, Roham, Anahita, Parisa, Pega, Merdot and Shia. Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with brand new episodes of Rook. Find me on Instagram at Giangomeshi. And in the meantime, Mizumashi. <laughs>